Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Um, I also want to tell you that last weekend there was a big wedding. Steve and Michelle and the whole Woodrow's and, and some good friends went down to Tulum, Mexico. And uh, Megan and Jordan got married. And it was a wonderful celebration. Uh, we, we, we were hoping for photos, but we didn't see any. But Steve did tell us about this, uh, everyone jumping into the pool to celebrate with their clothes even. And, uh, and Steve jumped into the pool apparently with his clothes. And he would probably rather us not mention this, but since... We have close connections and cell numbers of close family members. We obtained a photo. So he's wearing a white shirt. I'm not sure if you can pick him out, but right in the middle of the, of the picture here. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty legit. That's right. That's athletic, isn't it? Dude, that's a way to celebrate, man. Proud of you guys. That is not photoshopped <laughs> at all. Just, is this on? Is this on? There we go. Yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know. So, my goodness. But, yeah, it was a joy. We, uh, yeah, you can get rid of that picture now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, wow. Yes, yes, yes. Ugh. Well, you know, I, I've always been kind of just didn't understand the destination wedding thing, but Megan and Jordan won this destination thing, and and uh, I tell you, it was such a blessing, and I think I got a whole new perspective on that. It was great, but we had three days, just with intimate fellowship, getting to know uh, all these people. You know, most of the time a wedding, you kind of bop in and you kind of bop out, and you only get to really connect maybe with a handful of people, and so it was powerful. And uh, they do Megan Jordan just such a great job connecting people, and and really. Beautiful balance, right, of, of something very sacred, something very pure and holy before God, a, a covenant that's being made, right, before him. And at the same time, really, right, this huge idea of celebration, of feasting and celebrating. And, and you know, we, we don't know how to do both of those well. We, especially in our culture today, the sacredness of marriage, right, the, the covenant that's made with God in the middle and him ordaining that whole thing as a beautiful picture, right, Scripture says that's a picture of Christ and his church, right, and what um, is going to come in the future, as well as the celebration of it. Jewish weddings, uh, this is, it kind of made me think, wow, this is really more like a biblical wedding. It went on seven days of feasting and celebration so that there was a real time to relate and connect and get to know people. And uh, so I think we need to record, recover those things. And, uh, and, you know, blessings to Megan Jordan. They did such a great job with this. It was a joy. Uh, right to be down there. But the other aspect of this that made me think is what we're going to talk about this morning is this idea of gathering and scattering. And it really, what's true for a marriage is true for the church, right? If there's healthy gathering, there's going to be a healthy scattering. And a family to be healthy means it needs to gather together so it scatters in a healthy manner. For a church to have an impact, it needs to gather, gather in a healthy way so it can scatter, right, in a healthy way. Um, but we all know there's no perfect families, there's no perfect churches, and we know that uh, oftentimes there is a very unhealthy scattering. 
and uh, there's a lot of brokenness, a lot of trauma, right, out there. And, and this is the beauty of God's grace and how he works is that when he scatters a healthy church, when he scatters a healthy family, is that he uses that to regather those who have experienced brokenness or trauma or something not so healthy, uses that to gather them back into a healthy community, right? So there can be this new cycle of a healthy gathering and a healthy right, scattering. A healthy church is just that, this beautiful rhythm of a gathering and a scattering. And uh, we're going to see that this morning in the book of Acts. If you have your Bible, you turn to chapter 7, we're going to start in verse 51 um, and looking at that this morning, this idea of, boy, this rhythm of healthy gathering and healthy scattering. We know this last year, there was a massive scattering that went on in our country. And the question um, we need to ask is, was it healthy? Did the result of that scattering produce the fruit that we're going to see here in the first major scattering of the early church? And to give us some things to really think on as a church, as individuals, right? Um, are we doing well in this understanding of the importance of gathering as a body so God can and scatter us? And folks, we, uh, just a little picture of that, we're gathering here. And we're going to scatter. We're all here in about a less than an hour are going to go out those doors. We're going to scatter. And the, and the key here is, was there a time of engaging God here so that we leave those doors differently than when we came in? And is there a sense of mission that we're going to leave, right, and, and go out these doors with overwhelmed with the love and the grace of God, right, to realize we want to reflect that glory to the world that desperately needs his love, his grace, his mercy, and, and all of those things. So um, before uh, we pray... Just got a couple quick announcements to follow up on. Um, just a reminder, uh, the next few weeks uh, at the 8.30, at the early service, we have uh, VBS, Vacation Bible School, going on. And it's, uh, still you can still get in. If you know anybody with, with kiddos, they are having a ball downstairs. And if you haven't seen down there, it's amazing how they've transformed um, the whole place. This Thursday through Saturday is Man Camp, our annual Man Camp, a phenomenal, powerful time every year that we have with fathers and sons. And uh, I believe it's still, um, there's space that so you can uh, call Chris Henderson here uh, this week if you have questions about that. Also, um, coming up June 27th in a few weeks on Sunday, Sunday we're going to uh, kind of launch something here on a Sunday night kind of service. We're going to do just one in June, one in July, one in August, and just kind of see, really just be led by the Spirit what we're going to do here. This is to accomplish several things. One, Many people are working on a Sunday morning, gives them opportunity to come and connect. The message, it'll be like Sunday morning, but a little different. And uh, it'll be the message, but more in a conversational kind of way. Um, we'll have time to pray together, worship together. Um, and uh, it'll also be a chance for us to somewhat model our microchurches, a little smaller, kind of more intimate, more simple type of church gathering. So the first one of those is going to be June 27th. If you have a heart for corporate prayer, um, this is going to be the time. We're going to have more time to really engage corporately on that. So that's coming up June 27th. All right, with that said, Father, we come to you this morning, and um, Lord, we rejoice in your glory, your goodness, Jesus, for your grace, your mercy, Holy Spirit, for your fellowship. Come now. Open our hearts to your word, Lord. Speak to us. Move among your church, Lord. Jesus, you promised you would build your church. Forgive us, Lord. We've taken over. We've tried to build it, Lord, 
in our ways, in our human ways, our institutions, rather than, Lord, letting you build it the way you've shown us in your scripture. Come and lead us. And Lord, what an opportunity today in this day and age to rebuild with a healthy foundation, to rebuild in letting you, Jesus, build your church. Come now, Lord, you know where every heart is, all those watching online here this morning and everybody else here, you know where our hearts are at. Come, speak to us now. Move us. Plant your word as a seed inside our hearts. Let it grow, Lord. Let it birth. Let it bring about that abundant life, Jesus, that you promise. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, so um, if you've been a part of this series, uh, gathered together, we've just been stepping in the book of Acts and coming into little pieces of the story of the early church, the beginning of the church, and, and trying to get our arms and hearts around the idea of um, what it, with the importance of gathering. What is church? Ecclesia is the Greek word. It means gather. What is it all about? And uh, this morning, I want to dive into this, attitude, this idea of gathered and scattered. Again, a healthy church is, has this beautiful rhythm of gathering and scattering. And we're going to see in the book of Acts and the story of the early church this morning just how the first scattering took place. And um, we're going to see what happened and what instigated this scattering that took place in the life of the church and, and why that's so important for us to understand and understand really um, that aspect of church, but also in our own lives, um, what, what God's work is. So a little background just to lead us into here. We know um, chapter 2 is, is of the book of Acts is the beginning of the church. This is where Jesus had prepared his church. There's about 120 we know that were meeting in the upper room. And uh, Jesus had taught, he was on the earth 40 days in his resurrected body, teaching them about the kingdom of God, opening their eyes and hearts to the Old Testament and uh, told him to wait, wait in Jerusalem, pray, wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we know that on the day of Pentecost, that came 10 days later after he had ascended back to the Father. And the Spirit of God hit the church. And this little group in prayer, it, uh, it went out from there into all of Jerusalem. And all of Jerusalem, revival went about and they moved into the temple, the temple square and uh, and we just see this amazing thing happen in the beginning of the church and thousands were coming to faith. Thousands were repenting and turning from their lives and turning to Christ and being baptized with all the mikvahs, all these huge baptismals that surround the temple there in uh, Jerusalem. And uh, we've, over the last few weeks, been stepping into some of these encounters to see how the church, boy, they experienced favor among the people and thousands were joining the family. There was joy. There was this awakening of who Christ was and his power and the truth of what he, and his message he had for the world. And, and, uh, but then, pretty soon, the religious elite, the rulers of uh, Jerusalem who were connected to Rome and others, is they, uh, they got involved. And we see that the, uh, the enemy gets involved, right, in spiritual warfare. And we know that the apostles were thrown in jail. They were let out and they kept preaching. Um, they didn't stop. They told them, stop you know, speaking about this name of Jesus and that didn't stop them. They went on. And all the apostles were thrown in jail and they all got lit out after a, a little whipping that they counted it a joy to suffer for their Lord because they were overwhelmed by who Christ was and what he'd done for them. And, uh, and all that did was just cause the church to grow even more. And it says thousands more gathered. It says that they gathered together right in Salmon's Portico, a mega church, right? And then they broke up into each other's houses. They broke bread with each other. They rejoiced in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and the preaching of the word of God and, and, and encouraging each other with the gifts of the Spirit, all those things. 
And um, it was just, it was bubbling. But remember back to Acts 1.8, which is connected to Jesus and God is serious about his mission. Jesus says in Matthew 16, I will build my church. Not man, not tradition, not man's tradition, not denominationalism, none of that. Jesus will build his church. And the gates of Hades, of hell, will not prevail. There will be a battle in this world with the church. And then in the Matthew 28, the Great Commission, he says, now go, right? Make disciples. Go out, each of you who are my followers, go and, and pour into people. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I'm with you always. In other words, carry on the mission. In other words, this isn't, salvation is not narcissistic, not just about what Jesus does for me. To follow Jesus means we also adopt his cause, his mission in the world. There's no such thing as private religion, a private spirituality. That is not Christianity. If somebody says that, they don't know Jesus. To follow Jesus, to know Jesus, means that we also embrace his mission for the world, right? Those go hand in hand. And, um, and then finally, Acts 1.8, in his mission, he says to them, right before he goes, and he's ascended back to the Father, he says that, now, you wait in Jerusalem, right? For you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. God is serious about his church taking up the mission of Christ and gathering and scattering. Gathering and scattering. Now, if everybody would just look, turn around and look above the doors in each door as we go out here. That's Romans 10, 15. It says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I'd encourage you, every time you scatter, every time you leave this sanctuary, look up. Look up and be reminded, right, that you are a follower. If you know Jesus, is you're to carry and reflect his love and grace and mercy, right, is that we gather here to be strengthened in those things, but we leave, right, to reflect, right, and to carry on the mission of Christ. That's what it is to follow Christ and to walk in the abundant life that he, right, has for us in that. And so that leads us up into this new section where the, the church was so huge, so much was going on, the apostles needed some help, and there rose this, this, uh, this uh, problem in the church between the Hellenistic and the, um, uh, and the Hebrews, um, the Hellenistic Jews and the Aramaic Jews, and they needed some help. And so they said, look, um, the apostles, says, we need to stay about prayer and preaching. And so the church gathered and says, find us seven men full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And it listed out these seven, they were Hellenistic Jews, and the first two were Stephen and Philip. And this is Acts chapter six. And these, were, the, these are amazing men. Now what, what's important about this transition is, is we're getting ready to move. It's not just the apostles doing the ministry. It's not just the apostles doing the signs, wonders, and miracles. Now we're moving into two guys who are normal people, just like you, just like me. And the Spirit of God is upon him. It defines Stephen as a man full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, full of the power of God. It describes him as doing mighty miracles and having a mighty impact in Jerusalem. And, um, and the religious leaders crack down on him and they um, bring him before the court. And he, in chapter um, 7, he gives this amazing uh, sermon. And this is where I want to pick up in verse 51 of chapter 7. And he ends his message this way to the religious leaders. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised and hardened ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you have now betrayed, that's Jesus, and murdered. So you received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Pretty strong words. 
as he ends. In other words, he's trying to call them to repentance. As we go back all the way to the beginning of this revival, and the people say, what must we do? And Peter says, you must repent. It takes a turning from the ways of the world, from my pride, my way of handling my life, and a turning right to Jesus, right, to be the Lord, the ruler, right, the leader of my life, to confess his name as Lord and Savior. Now, you say, well, that sounds so harsh, but let me just point out, we're going to read it here in just a second, but is that after that, is that they took hold of Stephen like they had the apostles before, but they didn't just take him and, and give him a few lashes like they did the apostles. They took him outside of town and they stoned him. And one of the most brutal deaths, and they were stoning him. And if you, as we're gonna read here in a minute, is that while they were stoning him, Stephen says, before he dies, he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. So the very ones that he preached strongly to, he in the midst of extreme trauma about to die because of, of being stoned, he asked God to forgive those who are stoning him, right? So where, where do you think he got that from, right? He's, he's modeling our Lord, right? He's doing what Jesus did. And so I say that because it's a beautiful picture, folks, of what Jesus says all of us are to do. The book of Ephesians says we're to speak the truth in love to one another and our culture. And we need to understand that that truth is being very clear and bold and maybe even it sounds harsh in the sense of here's the truth of God. Here's the truth of his word. This is the heart of God. But at the same time, have the love and the forgiveness and the compassion, right, to lead people, right, to repentance, right, to God and to realize that God's arms are wide open right there and to also be unoffendable before them. No matter how harsh they are against you or against me is that we have that heartbeat. Lord, forgive them. Let their heart be turned. Let their heart and their, their minds be open to right who you are. So picking up at verse 54, it says, Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at Stephen. But he was full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and rushed together at him. And then they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. Anybody who doubts the vision of God that Stephen had is, I'm here to tell you, he was getting stoned. for He's not making it up. It's not some religious pie-in-the-sky type of experience. His life is on the line. And he's willing, even in the midst of being stoned, to he's overwhelmed by the presence and the glory of God. And then they cast him out of the city. They stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at his feet, at the feet of a young man named Saul, who's going to become Paul. Saul was the greatest persecutor of the church, as we're going to see here. Later on in the book of Acts, we see the Spirit of God hit him on the Damascus Road and got a hold of his heart. So what's important, we'll get to this maybe later with, with, Paul, with Saul and Paul, right, is folks, it doesn't matter how hard, how evil, how ungodly, how hostile to Christianity somebody is, God is in the business of radically changing people like that's hearts. So if you're praying for somebody, it could be a family member, it could be a, a, a really close person to you, it could be a child, it could be a fellow worker in town that is just hostile, and folks, our culture is becoming more hostile to the faith, is don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Is that Those folks are prime candidates for the grace of God to come down, 
right, and to radically transform their lives. Keep praying. Keep loving them, even in the midst of their abuse may be upon you. Love them and expect God to change. Remember, nobody can change him. Nobody can lead and convert somebody. That is the work of God. Our job, our mission is to bring the love, to reflect his glory, his mercy, his grace to people, and to love people, and let the Spirit of God, trust the Spirit of God to radically open their eyes and open their heart. And verse 59 says, And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Beautiful language for those who know Jesus. There is no death. The grave cannot hold your body. If you know Jesus, death has no sting, has no power over you, you're just going to sleep a little bit until Jesus returns and completes, renews this earth, renews this place, brings heaven to this earth, and at the same time will raise your body again to a whole new eternal body, just like Jesus's was when he was raised from the dead. And that is the hope of Christianity, folks. Uh, that, that solves everything. Every single worry we have, concern for the future, and, and hope is tied to, is there a solution for death? There's only one solution for death, and that's Christ and his resurrection. That's what the world desperately needs to hear and be modeled from each of us, the glory of that good news, right, of what Christ, and the, it's free. It's, it is by his grace, if we will turn to him and receive that. But Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day, don't miss this, radical shift in the church. A scattering takes place, the first major scattering. And there arose on this day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. No one saw it coming. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Where do we hear those two words? Jesus is serious about his mission. If the church will not be obedient to scatter and share the gospel, guess what God's going to do? He's going to stir the pot. He's going to bring upon the church, right? And remember, God is not so concerned about politics. Do you see any politics in here? In the, do you see any? I mean, yeah, it's involved in the persecution of the church. His focus is the church, and is his church ready for his return? Is his church faithful in carrying out his mission? And if it's not, he's going to stir politics. He's going to stir war like he did with the Jews in the Old Testament. And with his church, he's going to bring about a persecution, right? All right, it's time to go out. It's time to go out. And it took this level of persecution to move. And it says they all were scattered to the ends, all the surrounding regions. It says except the apostles, they stayed to run the church. In Jerusalem, except obviously later, Peter and others were sent out. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entered house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. It was a major persecution. And folks, this is just unusual. Even the Romans, as harsh as they were, they would leave women alone for the most part. Here, though, Paul is going in and he's moving out into the house churches and he's on a secret Gestapo operation and he's dragging them off to prison, many of which we know historically died and suffered terrible deaths. This was a brutal time of persecution, one that none of the church saw coming. But folks, how do they respond? 
The key is how did the church respond? Had they been gathering in a healthy way? Is this scattering going to have a fruitful purpose? Is it going to accomplish God's mission for his church that when we're scattered that we boldly bring the good news wherever we're scattered to? And we see the next part. Now those who were scattered, listen to this. This is not just the apostles, not just Stephen and Philip. This is the church. Thousands. Remember, it was a mega church in, in Jerusalem at the time. Now those who were scattered went about what? Preaching the word of God. Preaching the word of God. Philip is just one of them. And he went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And remember, Samaria was, our, was the, the Jews despised Samaria. They didn't even want to walk through it. And so this is the most unlikely place to bring good news, but talk about the grace of God. And Philip brings this message. So look what happens in the city. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. He's a normal person like us. That the Spirit of God is hit, who, and, and he's preaching the word, and, he's, and, he, and he's, he's not a, quote, professional pastor. He's a normal person. And, uh, and he's just one, there's just one story of thousands of people going out and, and preaching the word. Remember, they've just been blown out of their home. They've just been blown out of their city. But their focus is what? It's on the mission. It's how they respond, because they gathered in a healthy way and broke bread together, understood the importance of ecclesia, being connected, because if you're not connected, guess what happens, right? The world takes over. And when the scattering comes, it's not a healthy scattering. It's a fragmenting. It says, For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice come out of many who had heard, and many were paralyzed became, uh, and lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. In other words, Philip brought joy to that city. They thought, they, well, nobody's going to bring that here. They had not seen anything like this. They hadn't heard. They were ready, right, to hear um, the good news of Christ. And there was joy because of the Spirit of God moving, healing, delivering, bringing salvation, right, to, uh, to people's household. And, and so I, I commend to us just to something. I'm not going to answer this question. I think we all deeply need to think about it. In this last year, nobody, no prophet, no politician, Nobody saw the scattering of COVID. Nobody. Nobody foresaw this, for at least on a large scale. Government wasn't prepared. Nobody was prepared. The church wasn't prepared. And everybody was scattered. What I ask you to think about is, was it a healthy scattering? I ask you to think about this. Were more believers out preaching the good news of Jesus do we see more salvations in America? Do we see more churches planted in America? Do we see more people leave for the mission field, the far reaches of our country and our nation, the surrounding reaches because of this pandemic, because of this scattering? Do not be mistaken, the scattering of God, nothing surprised him. It wasn't to, uh, because of some politics or whatever might have been some of those. The real reason was God is trying to get the attention of his church. And so don't waste your time with all the other, no reason to waste time with all the other purposes. For God's people, the issue is God. You have our attention. And have we responded appropriately? Have we responded? And personally, I think this reveals, if we take an honest look at it, it reveals we have some work to do to get our house in order when it comes to an understanding of what it is to be a Christ follower, what it means to be a part of his church, and what it means to scatter in a healthy way, right? 
And again, these people's houses were being ripped away from them. They were under some serious persecution, but what were they doing? They didn't stop speaking of the name. And folks, I think just something to think about is, is, boy, sometimes in life, and a lot of times in life, that, you know, there's this, we feel a setback, whatever. Let's look at it personally as well. We feel a setback in life, and we, re, we view that as a, as a setback, and, and we get stuck, rather than do we view that as, wow, God's stirring the pot. What's he doing? Because God has a purpose always. He has a purpose for his kingdom. He has a purpose for good for your life. And he uses suffering, he uses these uncomfortable times, right, to awaken us. And the question is, are we going to move back and be aligned, right, with his heart? Or are we going to be overwhelmed by the fear, the insecurity, and the things of the world? Um, and those are things that we all, right? And, but here's the deal. This is the one thing I want us to hone in on here this, this morning. Folks, we gather and you see this all through the New Testament, in the Old Testament even, the church, Jesus' church, the family of God gathers regularly. If you know Jesus, you're to be a member, not dismembered. It is not possible to follow Jesus and be a dismembered body, part of his body. That is a not healthy position to be in. And it's not going to go well is the church gathers together so that we realign. When we come together, whether it's small church, micro church, big church, mega church, we gather together at the core of the simplicity of this whole thing is so that when we come together that there can be this sense of realigning our hearts with the love of the Father, how much God loves us. We all need to hear that. We all need to be restored to understand what love is. Folks, I don't have to tell you how confused and out, just out there in danger land we are as a culture. We have no clue what love is. It's lost. Have no clue. We're so far from God's understanding of what love is. And remember, God is love. We don't make it up. We don't determine it. We don't define it. God does. And we love because he loved first. And folks, it's a realignment when God's people, we need to realign about what is love. And it flows from him. And we're, our hearts are desperate for that. We need to be restored to understand how much he loves us. The extent through Jesus he's gone to love us and to woo us as the, as the father and the prodigal son's open arms are to get us back in to his family, into his, to be membered as such into the family of God. And also the grace of our Lord Jesus. Grace, it only comes through Jesus the law came through Moses in the Old Testament. Jesus brought something far, far better. It's why it's called the good news, the new covenant. It's because it's the grace of God. In other words, Jesus is pouring out. He offers salvation. He offers the abundant life to us. And, and it transcends religion. It transcends the law. It's based on his love, his work on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. Not based upon my ability or your ability to be religious. And folks, that is, that's good news. And this is why the Samaritans and, and all those, when they heard, they'd never heard anything like this before. The problem in America is we give a cheap grace. We have this idea of, of oh, you can receive as this narcissistic thing that's about me, what God does for me, rather than what I need to do for God. In other words, in the sense of when I say what I need to do for God, there is a turning Right? It's not religious acts. It is just repentance of turning away from the world and turning to God and receiving him right, and his grace right, for that. No salvation happens outside of repentance. No transformation happens without repentance. This idea of thinking I can play with the world and I can follow Jesus is not an option. That's not going to go well at all. And um, 
But man, when there is repentance, all the way back to the beginning of the church, what, when Peter stood up after Pentecost, is the people cried, what must we do? And his words, you must, the first step is always repent. Turn away from your ways. Turn to Jesus. And when you do that, you will be saved. You will um, come in and you will receive the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit in all that. And um, the final one is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, right? When we gather together, we're to realign our hearts with, wow, this, this is, I mean, anybody have some emotional struggles this last year? I, for one. I mean, if, if you didn't, uh, I'd, I'd love to talk to you, right? <laughs> Folks, when the church gathers together, let me tell you, this is a time for our emotions to be aligned with a God who rules our emotions and the spirit moves. He dispels depression, dispels fear, dispels all these things that bind us up and he brings the fruit of the spirit. It's when we gather together and encourage each other that that fellowship right, get, takes hold. We need that. And you know what? You can't do that by yourself. Do you know that? I mean, sure, when we're alone, we, we can have fellowship with God and everything, but outside of having corporate fellowship, we will only get so far. We will only get so far. And why do we do that? Why do we gather? We gather so that when we're scattered, we can boldly speak of his goodness and his glory. So that when we leave here, there's a sense of, of overflowing of what I need to talk about. And, and folks, I can't talk about knowing Jesus if I'm not talking about him with other people. I just want to lay that out. Just, that's, just, that's not legalism. That's just, that's just fact. So I, I just need that to sink in. And, and that's something we, the American church, we need to get a hold of is this is not therapy. This is not Jesus here to meet my little needs. Oh, he'll meet them. But he calls us to something much better. When he meets it, he wants to overwhelm this temple. He wants this temple to be holy, set apart for him. And again, what has to happen in the American church is a radical repentance. You cannot follow Jesus and expect to have this temple do the same thing the world does. Jesus will not reside in that kind of temple. We gotta make the house ready for his presence to take over. Unless that repentance happens in the church, holiness will not return to the church. And if holiness doesn't return to the church, what happens? We can't gather in a healthy way. We will not see the things we need. We can't be the people we need to be. We can't experience the abundance and the freedom. We have this, this false idea as Americans that we can live in the world and, and my body can be like the world, right? And that I can experience the abundance. Oh, Jesus, come, do this for me, do that for me. It's not gonna happen. And this is truth in love. Repent, all of us. Turn to God, Lord. I'm, and as he calls us out to honor God with our entire being because you've been bought with a price. I've been bought with a price. I belong to him. We belong to him. And so when we come into church, there's this sense of, especially before we come to the Lord's table, there's this introspection. There's this, this vulnerability that has to be there. God, am I right with you? Is there something I need to confess? Is there, am I holy and blameless before you? Let me receive. And in that moment, Jesus' grace is there to forgive Wash us. Make us whole. Make us right before him, blameless before him. In an instant, if my heart is one of true repentance, not being sorry for what I did, if my intent, and this is the problem in America, we've created this idea of, is that I can come and go through some kind of confessional thing, but really in my heart, I still intend to go do the, that certain sin. That's not confession. 
That's actually playing games with God, and that's dangerous business. Repentance is in the depth of my heart. I intend to please God first and foremost. Let me have your grace. Forgive me, God, and let me turn away from that. We've made excuses in our country that, oh, just, you know, it's hard. I can't do it. I'm, I'm whatever it is. No, you don't find an excuse in the scripture. None. Grace is so wonderful, it requires a repentance, a turning to God. It is his grace that will strengthen us. Remember, God is the one who sees the intention of our heart. He's the one. He's the one who's looking. He knows we can't fool God on this thing. And so when we gather together, there is this, this peace, right, of realigning our hearts, the innermost being of who we are with the love of God. Right? We should leave church. If we're really having church, we should leave church just encouraged by God's incredible love for us, encouraged by his grace because, you know what? We all mess up. We all mess up. And you know what? I need to be encouraged like, but about that grace, I need it. Let me lay that thing down, God. Cover that thing, right? And take hold of that grace. And folks, we need the fellowship of the Spirit of God. We need to lay out everything and, and be able to be still before God and listen to the ways of the Spirit of God. He wants to speak to his people. He wants to speak to you. Do we have to give him time to do that? Do we give him time to really speak into who we are? And so with that said, let's, um, let's do that. Let's do these three things. I, I hope you'll take this uh, and just, just apply it to anywhere in the Scripture. And then we need to individually ask ourselves, man, is there a healthy gathering, a scattering going on in my life? And folks, there is such an intimate connection between a family's gathering and scattering and the church's gathering and scattering. Any problem that happens, folks, uh, uh, if a family is not gathering in a healthy way, guess what's going to happen? It's going to be ugly, right? There's going to be a running. There's going to be a, a prodigal son fleeing, right? If a church is not gathering in a healthy way, guess what? There's going to be an unhealthy scattering. And so we need God's grace to come and restore this, right, to the church, a healthy understanding of gathering so that when the healthy scattering goes is that that can rope in those who are out there dismembered back into fellowship, back into healing, back under the grace of God, right, and the wonderful plan that God has right, for them and his love and direction for them. So let's just, um, with that said, there's a lot more we could look at in this passage. But um, folks, I, it, it was a radical, bigger than we'd ever realized. This was one of the biggest shifts in the history of the church. From Jerusalem, boom, when that persecution hit the church. And it sets up the rest of the book of Acts to see God's mission, Paul's own conversion, right, spread out around the known world. And uh, so, a little picture of that is just thinking about when you leave here. Have you had church? Have you met with the Lord? Not, well, that was a pretty good message. Well, that was phenomenal music this morning and whatever it is. Oh, I feel good about myself. I went to church this morning. No, you know, all that means nothing. It means nothing. The only thing that matters is, did you meet God this morning? Did he speak to you? Were you really raw and honest? I'm speaking to myself here too, okay? Were we honest and raw before God this morning about where we're at with him, with what we're doing. Is this body holy before him? Are my thoughts holy before him? Is it, Lord, do I need to lay some things down and get right and come to this table and rejoice in the power of the gospel and his grace? Right, That's what matters. And that we serve each other and that we love each other 
and that we allow the Spirit of God to speak through us and minister and encourage and, and, and be the body and connect, not just come in and not connect, but am I willing to connect and truly step into each other's lives? That's church. That's church. So, Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And uh, Lord, I, I, we need to know your love more than anything, God. And Father, right now, I just pray, those watching online, those here, Father, I just pray you pour out. Just expand our hearts, Lord. Lord, forgive us for wrong ideas of love that the world has crept in and given us this idea that the way of the world, the world's love is gonna satisfy us. It's nothing. Only your love, God. And your grace, Jesus. Wow. And Father, I just pray for those watching and those in here, Lord, that, that are struggling. They're here and they're just not sure they know you, Jesus. And Father, I pray that they pray right now with me Lord Jesus, come to you. Come to you with, with, and maybe for the first time, I, I lay my pride, I lay down my, my resistance to the church, I lay down my criticisms, I lay down my pride, I lay down my selfishness. The church is not here to meet my needs. This is about exalting you, Jesus, and having a whole new life. And Jesus, I'm ready to repent. I'm ready to turn. I'm ready for you to just examine my, all my thoughts, my heart, everything. I want you to give me a new life that's clean, that's forgiven, that's, that's filled up with the fruit of the Spirit. Fear disappears. The peace of God. The assurance of my salvation, the assurance that I'm a child of the assurance that I'm a loved child of God. So Jesus, now I, I receive your grace, not by any religious works, but solely by faith. I receive this gift this morning, right now, into my heart. I want to follow you, Jesus. And now, Holy Spirit, come. We want your fellowship. Move among us. Give us ears to hear, Holy Spirit, what you're saying to us and to the church. Expose, reveal, heal, unite, pour out, deliver. Yes, Lord. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.